What's going on, everybody? And welcome to another edition of the State of the Nova Nation podcast from VU Hoops. I'm Emma Houghton. He's Pat Zhang. And we have a lot to discuss on this episode, including Villanova's loss to Marquette, which we did a game recap of last week. And Villanova's, man, Pat, eke it out victory against Georgetown on the road hmm. on Sunday. They moved to number 14 overall on the AP poll. We're going to get into all that. But much more importantly, we have a phenomenal guest on today's show. Number 14, one of the best Villanova players to ever do it. And evidence of that is his jersey hanging in the rafters. Alan Ray, a 2,000-plus point scorer at Villanova, four-year player from 2002 to 2006, a consensus All-American. We have a phenomenal conversation with him. And Pat, I mean, just what an honor. How fun was it to talk to Alan on this one? It's so cool to be able to talk to Alan Ray, as, as Emma said, one of the best to ever do it at Villanova. It's also very cool to look back at his era, of course, while Jay was still mm. getting things set up. You know, you think with the guys that he played with, with your your Randy Foy's, Kyle Lowry's, Mike, Mike Nardi's, Dante Cunningham even came in there towards the end. Uh, it's just, it's such an interesting place to look at for when he was there. And then of course, be able to bring that out to what he thinks about the current team. Uh, it's super pumped to, to get into it. Yeah, we talk about Twitter a lot. He's been super active on there. Make sure to throw him a follow. Keep up with him all season long and just sit back and relax and hear all of his incredible insights. So we'll be back after this interview to talk more about Villanova Hoops. But for now, we'll send it over to Alan Ray. All right, everybody. So thanks for joining us. We are joined by Villanova legend Alan Ray, a four-year player from 2002 to 2006, a three-time All-Big East selection, and then, of course, one of the most coveted phrases in college basketball, a 2005 to 2006 consensus All-American. Alan, we are so glad you are here. Thank you so much for coming on. And You've been riding the the Nova Twitter wave this whole season. You have been deep into it. So tell us a little bit about where you are at this season. It was obviously an interesting week, but you've been riding the highs and riding the lows too. So where are you at right now with the Cats? Um, I think I think they're doing pretty good right now. You know, um, everybody expects them to win every single game, which is just not going to happen. You know, um, I got to get that out of everybody's head because <laughs> they, they lose one game and then they're the worst team in the world. <laughs> they just won six in a row. But I know I, I really like this team. Um, I, I think they, they have a chance to go far. And I really believe that they're still like learning and, and still figuring out as well. Yeah, I, I like that. I, I'm interested too, because I, I know this is a big topic throughout the season. I'll, I'll approach it to you. It's, it's the topic, but it's a little different. Um, so it's talking about bench depth, but it's not fully on the depth. You played 25 minutes as a freshman when you first came in here. I know that was when Jay was still establishing himself with your, your great recruiting class and all of that. I'm interested, what do you think you did to earn Jay's trust then that guys like Jordan, Trey, and Nana still have to work on to continue to expand their role? You know, that's a that's a really good question. You know, I didn't realize I played that many minutes. Um, I had uh, Gary Buchanan was in front of me, um, which was one of Nova's greatest shooters. Um, Derek Snowden was there mm -hmm. and he was a guard. So, I mean, I, I just really worked, worked hard in practice and uh, really I really wanted to play. And I just showed coach that I wanted to play and I tried to limit my mistakes. And I showed that I was I wanted to learn. Um, I made my mistakes, but I always try not to make the same mistakes. And I mean, I don't want to toot my own horn, but I was a pretty good scorer. And, you know, we, 
I, I think we needed that too at the time. Yeah, I would say so. Over 2,000 points over a career helps. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say, we'll toot your hold for you. Don't yeah, worry. exactly. We got you. <laughs> so going into that point, that I think, Pat, that's a perfect way to open it. Alan, can you talk a little bit about what having leaders like Colin and Jermaine do for this otherwise relatively young team, similar to what Buchanan did for you when you were a freshman? Yeah, because you need somebody to look up to. You know, when things get tough, you need somebody to take you by the shoulder, calm you down, let you know everything's going to be all right, and kind of walk you through the process. You know, the coach can't do that all the time for you. It's Sometimes you don't want to hear it from the coach all the time, is you might relate more better hearing it from one of your teammates or a player. So I think that's that's very important. And um, I think Colin and, and uh, Jermaine do a great job. And last game against Georgetown, I think Jermaine did mm-hmm. uh, an unbelievable job with his, with his leadership. You know, we really needed that. And I, I think he stepped up. And uh, he might not be the one. I'm not sure because I'm not on the team, but I don't know if he's the one that leads by – you know, voicing his opinion or if he leads by example, you know, and, and that game, it looked like he just led by it, by example with his play. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. And you see other guys do it too. Caleb seems like every single time a guy falls down, he's hmm. the first guy over there picking him up. Slate has the same type of thing. So maybe there are different personalities working and they're all meshing together. And I think you see that when they play well together. Yeah, for sure. And you don't want to be on film to be that guy not going to help True. your teammate up. <laughs> True. <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. Jermaine really did pick it up, especially with, with the scoring when I know Eric has been so good lately, uh, just, you know, a little bit of a tougher game against the bigger front court in Georgetown. And we finally saw Jermaine really, you know, drive and, and get under the basket. And that was so key um, for Villanova to be able to get that win. I'm interested what you think here, um, looking at the current team, if you had to pick one player from this current crop, that's game reminds you the most of your own, who would it be? Mm, that's a really good question right there. I was more like my roles kind of changed. Mm-hmm. Sophomore year, you know, I was just scorer, going to the basket, doing everything. Then junior year, I kind of became like a shooter. Um, man, this is a good, that's a, that's a real <laughs> good question. You stumped a Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't I can't really say you know I think I think these guys are all unique you know they all they all have their different mm-hmm. style you know I, I don't I don't think that there's anyone that kind of had the same style that that I did you know I, I think they're they're unique in their own way yeah that's, that's totally fair that's something I gotta think about too I never <laughs> I never really thought about that I don't, I don't I don't like I don't like to compare like myself mm-hmm. to like certain players especially the ones now you know I think I think I just, I don't know. I just don't do that. No, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. And it's a really good question too, because Pat and I have talked a lot all season long about what type of team this team is. Like they might not be the most pure shooters. It might not be the biggest guys who are just going to body up the big seven foot players in the big East, but they've seen to transition into these roles. And that actually transitions well into a question that I wanted to ask you. I know that, you've been vocal on Twitter about this team is defense first. And if you're Mm -hmm. waiting for them to go out and score 80 plus points, you're waiting for the wrong thing. Cause that just might not happen this year. They're going to be pretty defensively reliant. But if there was one part of this team that you think's too, 
that you think needs to improve the most, what would that be? And that could be anything from offense, defense, intensity, tempo, rotation. What's something that needs to take the next step so that this team can get to the next level? I think we all can agree on focus. Sometimes I mm-hmm. think they lose focus. I think they lose focus. Um, starting off the game, you know, there's been some games where we haven't started well. And then there's been games where we've been up and we've let leads um, evaporate and end up losing the game. So I, I think sometimes this team like, lacks focus and they need that killer instinct sometimes when they have a team on a rope to just like put them away, yeah. you know. And, and I think that's really one of the big things that we miss on this team. And another thing is I think we all can agree is like the bench, you know, Mm -hmm. we were, I I would love to see more bench minutes, more guys coming in, being more productive. Cause once that happens, then you know, the sky's the limit for this team. Yeah. And Pat, I'll just ask a follow-up quickly before you hop in. So talking about that minute distribution, and I'm sure you've seen it too, the idea of Colin and most of the starters really being gassed at the end of the games. And that's why we're having this, this closing issue. Can you talk a little bit about how much really is behind that and how difficult it is to close out a game when you're averaging in Colin or Justin's case, 35 plus minutes a game? Yeah. I mean, it is difficult, you know, early in the year, I was saying that they needed to like suck it up and, you know, just, just get it done, which I still believe, but mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I know that it's, it's very difficult to do, you know, you're playing a lot of minutes, you're asked to do a lot on the defensive end, offensive end. And then sometimes you're guarding the other team's best players. So that does wear on your body and, you know, mentally during during, during the whole game. So I understand. I, I think that some games, you know, guys do get tired. And like I said, that goes back to the bench again. You know, if we just have somebody come in, play a couple minutes, get these guys some rest, you know, I think that would be very productive for these guys. Yeah, I've been so hesitant to admit it all year. I've, I've kind of been on the suck it up train of yes there might be a correlation between bench minutes and wins and losses but it's also how Colin shoots in those games but I think the Georgetown game was a pretty clear indicator of however many points however many minutes BA had and Longino had that allowed Colin and Jermaine to rest so that they could finish out as as strongly as they did yeah for sure that that that's a good key right there good point yeah, I'll, I'll get you on that train eventually. Emma. I'll keep working on it. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm slowly running out of evidence. I'll be honest. <laughs> it's all good. No, I, you actually went uh, to a point where I wanted to go. Uh, Alan, as she was saying, one of your recent tweets about defense kind of being integrated in the DNA of Villanova and them trying to win, you know, with defense and going that way. What about this team on defense has impressed you most this year? Um, I, I like how when they're really aggressive and, you know, really locked in, you know, guys don't get past anybody. And if they do get past anybody, they taking charges. Mm-hmm. It's getting swat. It's getting swatted out of bounds. You know, we play passing lanes, get steals. Like that's, that's beautiful to watch. Um, I know you guys enjoy watching that too, when they're like really locked in on defense like that, you know, when, when the team really can't do anything against them, like that's, I love that. Yeah, I, I'm so with you. And the energy, that big defensive plays too. I think that's part of what Brian Antoine's brought to his game with the quickness and athleticism we've seen on defense. I mean, my favorite play from the Georgetown game was the double block with Dixon and Daniels where they just mm. blocked two straight shots. I, I feel, especially when you're tired and we talk about tired legs and Villanova struggling with that at times with the rotation, to be able to lift yourselves on defense, I think can have such a you know an impact down the stretch. 
Yeah, and defensively, you know, when you struggle on offense, defensively is a way to manufacture points. Mm-hmm. Also, you know, off of off of turnovers, um, defensive rebounds, we can uh, push it in the open court. Just like little things like that, defensively, we can uh, use to manufacture points too. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And it's so interesting to hear, even when you said that about the defense point, because you associate offense in Villanova. And we're slowly starting to get the people talking about the defense. And that's probably the biggest reason why they are where they are. So I love that point. And, and I'm going to ask you a question that I asked Pat, I believe it was right after the Marquette game, we recorded a game recap. And I felt like, especially against Marquette's tempo, Shaka Smart's defense, where the havoc was extremely evident and it wasn't as much on the on Villanova's offensive or defensive end, honestly. Do you think Nova's slow tempo at any point hurts this team? Um, I think it's like the gift and the curse because mm-hmm. if you play an up-tempo style, you're going to have more turnovers. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how that's how we played. We we yeah. played a little up-tempo, but we used to turn the ball over. <laughs> and and uh, with this team right now, they do a great job of not turning the ball over. And I, and I think that comes with them not playing at a very high tempo. I think there is sometimes when they can push the ball up court, but you know, it's not really what they do. It's not their identity. So I, I don't, I don't think that I think they stick away from that a little bit. But uh, you gotta, you gotta take the good with the bad with that. Yeah, advantages and disadvantages, and I think it goes a little bit into the personnel on this team too. It's not like Gillespie and Moore, the most athletic players in Division One basketball, that are just forcing it up the court. So you play into that a little bit too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Per- but I, Person- I, 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 oh no, go. I would say no, go for it. I was just said personnel obviously puts you know a lot into it. This isn't Baylor from a year ago. You think about all the athletes <laughs> right. that they could running the floor, and in a way, Villanova plays some teams that play really up tempo. You know, your Marquettes, your St. Johns of the world, your Creightons of the world. It can be a little bit of a foil to try and slow them down at times and and, and try to take the foot off the gas. Of course, it can sometimes lead into trying to put up a shot with two seconds left on the shot clock. That isn't the best because you are slowing things down. But you know, I, I do see where they're trying to go with it. Yeah, um, definitely. Uh, like I said, just about the turnovers, I, I think that's the big thing for them is not mm-hmm. turning the ball over. That's that's why I think that they don't run as much. Did Coach Wright whip you into shape when you guys were turning the ball over? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> 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 Every practice. Like, if, yeah. if we had a whole bunch of turnovers the, the game before, like, we would sometimes run or, like, we would do, like, certain drills for because of those turnovers. Yeah. But it doesn't like shock I said, me it was, at all. It was, it, you got to take the good with the bad. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. No, no, that's good. Um, I, for looking at the big East here and what we're seeing so far first, it's really fun to hear your perspective. Like when John Fanta has the Twitter spaces and when you get to, to chime in there, it's been fun listening to your perspective. Um, when we're looking at these other big East teams that we've seen so far, which big East team has impressed you the most? I really like Xavier. Xavier's mm-hmm. a uh, they're they're a really good team. Um, I, I like how well balanced they are. If I'm not mistaken, if it was the Xavier team, I think they had like six, maybe like seven or eight players that averaged 20 minutes a game. Yes, yeah. they're deep. Yeah, so that that goes to show you uh, what type of team they are. Um, Creighton, I like Creighton, but I think Creighton kind of snuck one in against us. Um, I, I, but I, I think they're a really good young team. Same thing with Marquette. I think Marquette, they, 
they they got us at a bad time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm I'm looking forward to the game against St. John's. I'm looking forward to the game against Providence, and uh, I, I want to see the game against UConn. Yes. Yeah, I've got I'm those really games circled to those too. I, I love that. Yeah. I I love that you pick Xavier too because I feel like they don't get as much credit as they deserve for how good yeah. and as you said how deep they are. Um, UConn is still the team for me to watch because they've had injuries, they've had COVID pauses, they haven't really been able to get into their full swing. But that roster is so talented. I love Dan Hurley. Um, I'm looking for them to to have a big closeout and can't wait for what is it February 5th at Wells Fargo Center when they come in. It's going to be a big mm-hmm. game. What's going on with Seton Hall? Seeing Hall was they was doing really good beginning of the season and now they kind of just fell off a little bit. I was I kind of like Seeing Hall, but now I, I don't know. They, yeah, they, they they might be pretenders. Dropped to DePaul. I, for me, it, it's more of a consistency thing for them. I just don't think they've been able to find their groove. And they were so defensively minded when they beat teams like Michigan at the beginning of the year, and mm-hmm. that was when they everyone was freaking out about them. And now, yeah. if Bryce Aiken doesn't score yeah. thirty points. I don't think they're putting up more than 60 points a game. Yeah. It was a big, that's the guard, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. From Harvard. Short guy. Yeah. 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 He's, yeah. He's, he's pretty good. I like it. I like his game. He is. It was a big deal for them. They were able to beat St. John's with Aiken out over the weekend because he is so instrumental in all that they do. And then they have the rematch now, two days later playing St. John's Mm. tonight. I'm very excited to see, you know, how they rebound. Cause of course, you know, they, they dropped that game to DePaul. They then had the heartbreaker against Marquette. So still trying to get back into things here for, for Seton Hall, but definitely a yeah. team to look at. Did Aiken yeah. have a concussion? I believe so. Yeah. Was that the injury? Yeah. yeah. I wonder how long he said. So Alan, I'll ask you straight up. So you, you mentioned Xavier was the first team you brought up when it comes to impression in the big East. Was it timing for Vill- why Villanova was able to sweep them? Because I remember we were talking about the Big East Pick'em Challenge before we started recording, and I was the only one who picked Villanova to beat Xavier on the road. Oh, to your own Center. horn, huh? I am tooting my own horn. <laughs> <laughs> I jumped those rankings. But, so why is Villanova, Villanova able to beat such a deep team like that and then drop a game against Marquette? See, I think that's where the focus part comes in because that was during the stretch where – did they win those six games when they beat Xavier? Okay, so they was, like, focused, locked in. Every opponent that they played, you see they was holding teams uh, under 60 points a yeah. game. Like, they, when, when they are locked in and playing well, every, they, they are a great team. It's hard to beat them. I mean, they, do, they was playing defense. They was getting to the free throw line, hitting threes, points in the paint. They was getting a little bit of bench scoring. Like, that's what I mean. I, I think they got to stay focused and get back in that mindset that they was. And they won't drop games like Marquette and start off slow against teams like Georgetown. Yeah, it's a really good point, because when they were in that groove, people were starting to talk about that final four run again. And then the loss yeah. to Marquette happens and then that slow start to Georgetown happens. And all of a sudden, all of these issues are getting brought back up again, even though we yeah. just watched this team rattle off six or seven wins and they yeah. looked really, really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for sure. But, Alan, you, you talk about that focus. How do you sharpen that focus? Is it something in practice? Is it just a mentality that you have? I, I know like more of an intangible part of it. It's got to be difficult to kind of quantify, but I definitely think you're right that focus can be an issue. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't want to compare our team to mm-hmm. their team, but when uh, when I was playing, we, we knew that we were always smaller than everybody. So we had to come out and play with a different type of intensity so we won't get swept out of the gym. And we knew that people would kind of overlook us. Oh, they're small, these guys. I mean, Randy was like our biggest guard. He yes. was six foot. 
he's six four on paper, but he was six three. (laughs) (laughs) So we had we had to come out with like this underdog mentality every single game. And we knew that we wanted better teams in the league. So we had a bullseye on our chest every single game. We knew we was going to get every team's best shot. And uh, Coach Wright did a good job of uh, not having us. What, what did our uh, saving say? Drink the rat poison or whatever. <laughs> yeah, said. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we 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 never really listened to anybody on the outside. We kept everything within the team, um, and we always just focus and play for each other. Such a good answer because yeah. it's funny to think of Villanova as having an underdog mentality too because the program yeah. has just been spitting out year after year after year of success. So you've got to find that within yourself to go out there and try to be the dogs. And maybe it's a size point. Maybe it's the extra eligibility. Maybe it's being a young team or an old team. It's interesting to see how all those factors come into it. Yeah. I mean, you guys see every single game, like Nova's going to get the other team's best shot. Like yeah, every game they are, it's, it's, it's just, you can't go away from that. Pat, I have one more Villanova specific question and then maybe we can move on to the fun ones or if we have any more Big East. I'm actually going to see Providence Marquette this weekend. Ooh, That's sweet. Providence's revenge game. So I'm excited to see them in person. But we've, we get this question a lot. We do a mailbag on Thursdays and I feel like we've gotten this at least once and it's something people think about all season long. Alan, who is the X factor on this team? The X factor? The X factor. I, would, I, I would say that would be... I, I would say that has to be Jermaine. Mm-hmm. Like, because Jermaine can get a double-double every single night. You know, I know he's battling some injuries right now. Yeah. Um, um, Easy Eve, he's just emerged down low in the post. Love that nickname. Um, you know what, you know what uh, Justin is going to do. You know what yeah. Colin's going to do. And if you get uh, – if we get Jermaine rolling, then it's going to be real tough to stop us because it's going to be like, who are you going to guard? You got to pick your poison. So I I believe that he he definitely is the X factor, and you know who else I think too? Um, Caleb, mm-hmm. Caleb come Caleb coming off the bench, you know he he's been a big spark for us off the bench as well. Because uh, when guys come in and they need rest, Caleb come in, or if guys you know some teams they're gonna overplay Colin, they're gonna overplay Justin, and that opens up things for him as well. So if Caleb and Jermaine can like get going and be consistent that makes it real tough to beat us and those and are really e, and e keeps doing what he's doing keep oh. progressing the way he's progressing it's going to be really tough to beat us on a yeah, nightly basis it seems like dixon is on that progression he doesn't have he doesn't falter very often at this point which is incredibly impressive and it's funny that you brought up caleb and jermaine because it almost seems like they're kind of foils of each other i think if Caleb's shot can fall more consistently, that might be the X factor. And if Jermaine can drive to the hoop more consistently, that can be the X factor. Because they're yeah. both so, such physical guys. Mm-hmm. And this has been basically the narrative all season long that Jermaine is just looking so much more hesitant with the ball. And when you see him rack up those free throw attempts and take less field goals and instead drive usually correlates to a Villanova win. So those are my favorite answers so far. I I think those are good ones. Yeah. And going back to what you said earlier about anybody that I think plays the same way like I do, I think these guys, they're more like, they want to run the offense so bad. Like, Mm. you know, they, Mm. 
they want to make sure they get they run the offense the right way. Because I know how coaches coach really he wants you to run the offense. He wants you to make the right play. But like with me and our guys, like if we had an overshot, we're taking it. Or if we had a chance to drop to the basket, we was taking it. Like we were yep. going. So we would like try to find out those opportunities. These guys sometimes I think they get too caught up in like being perfect on like wanting to be perfect on offense. Damn selfishness point too. Yeah. No, I think that's a great point about trying to be too perfect at times. Sometimes, you know, that Villanova is all about making that extra pass, but sometimes they make an extra, extra pass where there was an open three and they still make the pass. So I, I'd like to see a little more um, conviction there. So I, I do love that point. Um, thinking of your perspective from, from when you played in the Big East, and this was actually a question we approached at the beginning of the season. You know, when you started at Nova in the Big East, you had schools like West Virginia, Rutgers, Miami. Expansion has kind of, come into the mind of the Big East, Val Ackerman, the commissioners talked about it a little bit. You know, they, they've thrown out there, say your Kansases with the big 12 change and Gonzaga's the big one. What do you think about the Big East and expansion? Do you like just where it is now with UConn back? Would you be open to making it bigger like it was when you played again? Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think more teams makes it, makes it more competitive. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, I think it's re- real good for the league, strength of schedule as well. You know, strength of schedule is always important. And just on a nightly basis, just going out and uh, playing against the top competition. I was watching uh, our UConn game from 2004, if I'm not mistaken. This is like a couple of days ago, honestly. They had Ben Gordon, Charlie Venueva, Mecca Okafor, Charlie Brown, Marcus Williams. Like they had like seven pros on that team. And I I was just saying to myself, like, man, we used to have battles in the Big East like that. Mm We used, to, we used to have real big battles and it would be nice to see. I'm not saying that the big East now is soft or anything like that. Cause sure. you, you see there's some, there's some really good teams in it, but uh, I, I definitely am for the expansion. I'm all for it. Oh, cool. I like that. That's why I wanted to add. I was interested what, what you thought there and too. Calhoun was the coach there. Like the, those, well, you, you know, Pitt was so good when you were yeah. there, of course, Syracuse still going through things with McNamara, like some of the teams that you went up against during your time there is just, you know, some of the ones that go down in Big East lore. Yeah, we had we had some battles every night, especially when, when we were young. You know, that we took a lot of bumps and bruises, like you said, against Pitt, Syracuse. Uh, Seton Hall was pretty good. St. John's was good. We always had a battle. We always did. Providence was good. Mm. Yeah. Especially, especially being the small guys, too. That, that's awesome. Four and, guards. I mean, you teed it up for me, so I have to ask you, it's the strength of schedule point. Do you remember a specific year from you where you just had a gauntlet of a non-conference schedule like the one Nova had this year? And how much do you think that plays into their thought process going into the year where maybe they have more losses than they're used to going into Big East play? How does that all even out in the mindset of these players? I don't think any team has played the the schedule that they have played non-conference beginning season. Like they played against how many top five teams? Three of them, right? Baylor, yeah. Purdue, yeah. UCLA. Three or four. Yeah. Yeah. Then they played Tennessee, another ranked opponent. Yeah. You know, they they, they had a pretty brutal uh, offseason schedule. I don't I don't think I've ever had that many games. I mean, I mean we played Oklahoma one year mm-hmm. early early on, and I mean, I can't really think of any other seasons like that. But mm-hmm. I, I think going forward, I think it's going to help them. You know, they, they've been battle-tested, and these teams that they played against, I mean, they're still in the top 10 right now. So I, I think they, they've been battle-tested. I think they're going to help them a lot moving forward. 
um, going into the later part of the season. Uh, I think it was good, actually. If, if you could do that every single year, I'm all for it. Mm. It's obviously a grind, and we've talked a lot about the the neutral courts, too, how different those games could have been if they were at the Finn. And all, of that, all of that traveling, yeah. yeah. But battle-tested yeah. is the word that, that sticks out to me, too. And honestly, as good as the Big East is right now, none of these losses are resume crushers unless oh, no. you do drop to a DePaul or a Georgetown or a Creighton, you know, so some of those teams at the at the lower end of the totem pole, Marquette is not a bad loss by any means. No, no, we we lost six games, five games, five six games. I think yeah, and yeah. and we're still fourteen in the country. Yeah, like yeah. We, that doesn't happen. Fourteen and five, yeah, pretty crazy. No, that I, doesn't happen. Emma, do you want me to hit the the jersey question? Yeah, let's do it. I'm excited right, cool. for this one. <laughs> yeah, of course, you're a perfect person to ask about this. So lots of Jersey honoring retirement talk has been happening, especially with Josh Hart just getting his Jersey retired a week ago. Is there one player either from your era or that you can think of that you'd like to see his Jersey hanging alongside yours and Josh Hart from a week ago? Man, I think everybody wanted to see Scotty's. Yes. Scotty's get uh, oh, yeah. retired. Um, Scotty definitely, I think Scotty definitely deserves it. Um, I know he's playing overseas right now, probably in a um, similar situation like I was. It was hard for me to get back to be able to do it during the season. You know, I used to tell coach, like, hey, just put it up, like, whatever. He's like, no, you got to be there. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> he's, he's, like, he's like, no, you got to be there. So I, I, I would definitely like to see uh, Scotty get retired and um, – also, Jalen, mm-hmm. those guys, Mikel, Eric Pascal, all them guys. Eric would uh, be I cool. Definitely, I definitely want to see those guys get uh, their jersey retired. We got to put some walk-ons up there, too. Right? They be doing the walk-ons. They, we got to so, get some yeah. walk-ons up there. The they amount of work it. they put in, yeah. Yeah. All right, so Pat and I have had this discussion. We put it on Twitter. People seem to really like it, and I've separated it into three things when I think of – what merits it and what doesn't. And it's the body of work in terms of longevity, the amount of success that you have as a player. And then the small moments like Dante's being the MVP of the final four or Chris Jenkins, the shot. Is there one of those categories that sticks out to you as being the most important when it comes to getting your Jersey retired? Um, Just um, playing Villanova basketball, like on a night, on a, on on a nightly basis, you know, I got to be political. (laughs) (laughs) like if if you play that on a nightly basis Villanova basketball I think that definitely merits you to getting a jersey retired along with all the individual compliments accomplishments that you have got and as well as winning you know you definitely got to be a winner um and you know I think that's the biggest thing the the playing Villanova basketball and, and and being a winner along with your individual accolades. Yeah. That makes me think that yeah. you're, you're probably leaning towards Colin being in and maybe Phil Booth too. Yeah. Yeah. All them yeah. guys. I mean, they yeah. all play. They, yeah. All these guys play well. I wouldn't be surprised if all of these guys get their jersey retired, especially Dante too. I didn't mention him. Chris, I didn't mention him. Chris mm-hmm. has the yeah. one. Chris has the best. I don't care what nobody says. The best shot in basketball history. Like Amen. NBA, college. Like yeah. that, that, that shot was ridiculous. 
That's awesome. No, I'd I, love, we'd love it, right? Yeah, every awesome. night, let's just do another jersey every home game. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And then we've got one more question because, of course, we, we want to let you go and, and respect your time here. You have become more and more entrenched in Nova Twitter lately throughout the season. You know, at a Ray for three to uh, to look for you. What's it been like? I, I love seeing your tweets of you know, talk to me at halftime, after games, during games. What's it been like interacting with everyone? Uh, I think it's great. You know, uh, I remember last year during the tourney, this was like the first time I had just stopped playing and I really started getting a chance to watch Villanova play. And I remember I was on Twitter and just like writing stuff about the game. And then I just started getting a whole bunch of interaction from like the fans and stuff like that. And I thought it was pretty cool. I like to hear other people's um, how they feel about the game, how they feel about the team. You know, I like I like to interact with them and, and hear different perspectives, which I think is, which I think is really great. You know, it's a, it's a lot of people out there that, you know, they talk about the game or they do analysts about the game, but you can't really interact with them. They don't really interact with the fans. And I, I enjoy doing that. I think it's great. Yeah. It's such awesome. a unique perspective that nobody else knows too. And Pat, I mean, we've only been doing this for a little while and we already have Eric Dixon's dad liking our tweets and the Gillespie parents. So it's cool to be caught up in that whole thing. Yeah. And then you get to meet everybody, you know, yeah. I, I'm meeting all, I'm meeting all the fans, like you yeah. said, parents and stuff like that. It's great. I just like being a part of the community. I tell people this all the time, like Villanova, like I love Villanova. Like that's, I'm so glad I went there. I, I love the school. I love the team. I, I'm proud as hell of everybody. That's awesome. Same here. We feel the same way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Didn't play basketball, but loved every second of it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. No, that that's so great. It's a great community to be a part of. Yeah. Yes, it is. But Alan, this was fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us. We had so much fun. We appreciate you know your perspective on a bunch of different questions um, that we got to ask you. It was so great hearing everything you had to say. Um, I know I mentioned it there, but please let, you know, let people know where they can find you so they can keep the conversation up with you. All right. That's on Twitter. You can find me a Ray for three is my handle. Don't be scared to ask me any questions. Talk to me about anything. If you want to talk to me about coach, right? Suits is open. Please no, please no. You can vent to me about that. I got some trolls on there that always talk. About oh my suits. God. Yeah. <laughs> it's hilarious but yeah, yeah it's 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 all good it's all fun you know just talk to me like i always say yeah no we love that thank you so much this has been such a cool experience for us being able to talk to you and hear your perspective and we appreciate you uh giving us all your insight and hopefully we get back into that groove that we were talking about at the beginning of this of this episode oh yeah definitely you know i i think we will just gotta keep the focus up and i, I think we could get back there but guys, thanks for having me and let's do it again. Definitely. Absolutely. Let's do it. All right. So once again, thank you to Alan Ray. We were so pumped and excited to have him on and it exceeded my expectations because he is just so tuned in to this team and he brings such a unique perspective as a former player that you and I obviously just can't talk about. Oh, it was so cool. I, I had so much fun on that interview. Just want to thank Alan for, for taking the time. To, to talk with us that his perspective is so interesting and just ugh, it would to be able to back it up with the experiences and things like that. Oh, that was one of my favorite interviews we've done. It was, it was so great. Yeah. And he's on the Nova basketball podcast circuit. He hit the he full 40 
earlier Our friends this at week, the full 40 yeah yeah we great minds think alike we both had him on it's it's not a shock to see that because alan has has such good insights and like we said hopefully we can get him back on when nova's at a bit of a higher point of the season and as things end out here with the big east tournament and the ncaa tournament we have a, a lot of high points to get to but as mentioned at the beginning, Villanova did fall to number 14 overall in the poll. I believe this is the first time this season that five Big East teams are in the poll. Correct me if I'm wrong. It might be. Uh, Providence, Connecticut, Xavier, Marquette made it in, which was one of the big leaps. Yeah, Marquette was and the new one. Not surprising at all based on what we saw no. from them last week. But we really want Alan Ray's interview to be the focal point of this episode. So Pat and I just have a few things to focus on. We'll talk about Jermaine Samuels. We'll talk about Georgetown. We'll preview a little bit of DePaul for tonight as you're listening to this. And then as always, we will finish up with a whip around the big East. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so first, I mean, before we even get into talking about the game too, I do want to shout out all the alumni that were down in DC. I know Ooh. that there was a pregame reception. Our very good friend of the show, Jerry Quinn, was of course a part of that as well. So so great to uh, to see some pictures from that and shout out to all the alumni that made the trip uh, trip in for the hostile game. We got to make our way there, Pat. I know, I know. I wanted to go. I just, I couldn't make it work. Um, yeah. But uh, it, it, I'd love to get down there for a game at some point. At some point, I will stick by it too. That court is phenomenal. It's beautiful, right? Beautiful court. The crowd was there. Yeah, it's it's hostile no matter what. That was a good way to put it. Yeah, it's Nova Georgetown. You know, listen, yeah. this is not the Hoyas at the height of of what we've seen them even you know recently. Of of course, not in the eighties, um, but it is still a Villanova Georgetown game. Yeah. All right. So, should we get into some of the? The nitty gritty of that game, it turned into an 11 point win, but there were definitely <laughs> points where it felt closer. And there was actually a point where it even felt a little bit out of reach. So did you have a place where you wanted to start? That first half was bad. Yeah. Um, that, <laughs> Perfect, perfectly put. Let's start there. Say, you want me to go there <laughs> just to give up 40 points to this Georgetown team. And we've heralded their defense all season long, meaning Villanova. And I still stand by that with how good Villanova's defense has been to allow this team, this version of the Hoyas to put up 40 uh, was completely unacceptable. I mean, that yeah. that's the simplest way I could put it. Yeah, so I actually listened back to our Marquette recap episode, and I want to take back a little bit of what I said because I put a little bit more of the brunt on the defense than I think I wanted to. And maybe that's 2020 hindsight because I saw how bad they looked in this game, at least in that first half. But when you see, it's the same thing against the Baylor game, right? Historically awful offensive performance, but this Villanova defense still limited that Baylor team to under 60 points. Mm -hmm. And you saw the same thing against the Marquette team that you rattled off those numbers a couple episodes ago. They were scoring 90 plus points for a pretty decent stretch of the season. So that was a good defensive performance from Villanova. This one, they still have yet to... I guess Butler was the one game this season just completely put away an inferior opponent. And the fact that we had to have the bench depth rotation minutes, tired legs, fatigue narrative come up at halftime (laughs) against Georgetown is extremely problematic. Yeah, it was, it it was painful for a lot of it. And uh, of course things certainly turned around 
in the second half. But I, I think to, you know, the interview we just had with Allen, I, I wonder how much focus went into it where this is a bad Georgetown team. You know, they haven't won a game in conference play. This is not the rivalry at the height of what Villanova Georgetown has been and can be. I wonder if that did slip into these guys' minds, just expecting to go in there and, and take apart a team that has lost pretty badly, you know, in a lot of games this season. And, and Georgetown came out firing, you know, to, to their credit. Um, of course, things turned around in the second half. I say turned around in a second half. Villanova scored 85 points in a way that didn't feel like 85 points. And I, I don't know. Do you, did you feel that way? Because I know it, feel, it doesn't make sense when it comes out of my mouth, but it, it makes sense in my head. I mean, the last time they scored more than 85 points was against Howard. But did it feel like that type of game? Because it sure no. as hell didn't. Of course not. Of course not. Because. <laughs> There weren't a, a ton of positives from this game, but this was one of the best offensive performances, at least in the second half, that Villanova has had all season. And that's also not something that I was planning on saying in this episode because it didn't feel like that. Yeah. Yeah, no, 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 I'm I'm with you. So if we talk about kind of why Villanova was able to get over the line um, yet again, this for the like 12th time this year, we'll say it was a rough day for the Colin Gillespie haters that <laughs> out there, who you know, he really stepped up after, you know, a, poor performance against Marquette or just a performance where we didn't get the normal Colin, you know, he came out absolutely firing against Georgetown, a team that he has torched in the path with past with 28 points. I believe he made six threes as well. Um, uh, so, you know, it was really good from, yeah, six of nine um, from beyond the arc. And the, the big thing here, it's the guy that you harp on, on being so key to this team turning around. It's the guy that I harp for hasn't been good enough so far this season. Jermaine Samuels was great. And, and clearly they needed that, the 18 points, because, you know, other than Moore and Gillespie, they weren't really getting too much elsewhere. Yeah. So when I look at the team stats on ESPN, usually the first thing I go to is the assists because mm-hmm. ball movement has been a pressure point this whole season. Oh, and it's a think pressure very, point over the weekends. <laughs> right. There, there's a very high correlation between how well Villanova moves the ball on offense and how many games they win and how easy those wins are and an 11 point win may signify an easy win. I think this was anything, but, and the fact that they only had eight assists, it's everything. It's the point Alan brought up about, about playing too perfectly. It's the unselfish point where they're actually being a detriment to themselves because they're not moving the ball enough and they're not taking shots when they get good passes down low and, Man, Pat, you and I, we gave a lot of credit to Marquette. I don't feel like Georgetown did a lot of good to Mm -hmm. exempt what Villanova was doing at the beginning of this game. No, while I came out of that game on Wednesday, you know, thinking about how impressed I was with Marquette, especially what they were able to do on defense here, I was more just aggravated um, (laughs) at what I was watching on the Villanova side of things where just things weren't crisp and they weren't clicking. Um, and again, it is so weird to have this conversation when they put up 85 points in a game, mm-hmm. they scored 48 in the second half. I feel like I'm wrong saying this stuff, but that first half is what really sticks in the mind for me because it just, it should not happen to be lowering their standards against that level of competition. It's just, there is no way that Villanova should be down by three to this Georgetown team. They just yeah. it can't happen. And it was only two games ago where Villanova absolutely annihilated Butler. So what I was going to say at the beginning, they need one of those wins. They just had one of those wins. The difference is that 
Georgetown shouldn't even be in the same universe. Villanova shouldn't let this game get to within 10 points. And instead, Georgetown was leading at multiple points of this game. So it was just an ugly thing to watch. And we've talked a lot about the schedule and how Villanova can really capitalize in January with the lower teams in this conference. And the the bullseye is on their back. I think if that hasn't been clear so far this season, it is now. They are going to get the best version of every opponent they face. And maybe this is a wake-up call. Maybe they are not. They are going to keep their pedal to the metal against DePaul and not let anything get close. But this definitely wasn't a reassuring game, especially after a brutal loss against Marquette. No, I, I definitely wouldn't call it reassuring. I, I do feel like I'm being a little negative, so I will, I will go to the positive here. You know, if we're looking at Colin Gillespie, I just talked about the game he had with 28 points and the shooting. Gillespie continues to really set marks for his shooting percentage. It's his best three-point shooting year he's ever had. He's at 42% right now, which is mm. just is super consistent. From two, he's shooting 54%, and overall, he's at 46%. You know, so he's been so important. Justin Moore didn't have it from deep, though. I, I believe he hit the opening three of the game, but still found a way, you know, to go eight of 13, which is really efficient for Justin because we can sometimes see him getting caught in the trap of, you know, not being super efficient with some of the shot selection, though I, he is a talented scorer. I love seeing him pull the trigger. And, you know, we just talked about the importance of Jermaine Samuels as well. So I do want to be positive that Nova was able to, you know, put up 85 points on the road. Um, but I, I couldn't lead with the positives because that first half is just so entrenched in my mind. <laughs> yeah, 100%. I mean, to give Villanova credit, they did close out this game. In Ooh. a season that has been defined by not being able to close, they did against Georgetown. And I remember thinking, if Villanova loses this game, obviously I am not going to be a shred of happy, but that kind of throws into light the question about bench depth and maybe this was a little bit different because the shooters just didn't have it if they did end up dropping this one but they did outscore georgetown 27 18 in those final 10 minutes and if you haven't already on vuhoops.com brendan riley mm-hmm. wrote one of the most truly well-researched interesting articles i've ever read about how villanova starts how villanova closes every single data point you could possibly imagine. So if you're a nerd like all of us and like hearing about that type of stuff, make sure to go check out that article because it's phenomenal. And we really appreciate all of the work Brendan Riley puts into that. But of course I had to bring up some numbers of Jermaine Samuels because you are right that I have been talking about him all season long. Yeah. And I was really satisfied when Alan Ray said that Mano is the X factor because when you have games like he had against Georgetown, you realize how much he can add to this team because he got into that plateau where he wasn't adding anything offensively. So mm-hmm. I have some numbers from the past three games. I was going to say, take this with a grain of salt, but I don't even think that's true because all of them are different. So against Butler, which was a 40 point blowout win, Jermaine was four for six from the floor. He had zero shot attempts from the beyond the arc, but he went six for seven from the free throw line and he finished with 14 points against Marquette, which was a three-point loss. He was four for eight from the floor, 0 for two from three, and attempted no free throws, finished with eight points. And then against Georgetown, which was was an 11-point win, he went eight for 11 from the floor, 0 for two from three, and two for two from the free throw line with 18 points. So there isn't something glaringly obvious that sticks out because over the course of the past three games, you have seen a significant offensive improvement from him, no doubt. But some things that stick out to me is that 
A, he's just taking more shots and he's taking more shots from two. And he still isn't going back to that reliance of just chucking up threes because I really do believe that was his downfall when he went into that cold stretch. And then maybe even more importantly are those free throw numbers. Villanova went 16 for 16 from the free throw line again. This is now a multiple time on the season where Villanova has shot 100% from the free throw line. It has without a doubt become one of their greatest strengths, which is incredible to talk about. Mm -hmm. When Jermaine drives, when he gets to the rim, when he plays physical, when he's fouled, he has a really good chance of sinking both free throws. That puts his own point total up. That brings the team point total up. And then it just allows for more flexibility on offense. So I really do believe like Allen, he is this team's X factor because we know what to expect from Gillespie in more. We know that Villanova can't win without them. But when Jermaine plays like he did against Georgetown, man, this team is different when he's like that. Yeah. And, and we know about the defensive impact he brings as well, which is of course so important. Uh, I I'm not going to you know reiterate a, a bunch of your points. Cause I, I do think you're, you're right on it. Um, I, I, we're seeing him drive a lot more. I, I look at it too. I want to see him continue to get to the free throw line because he has turned, as you said, into an above average free throw shooter. And I think that directly correlates to a lot of, you know, the games he's having, is he being aggressive and is he getting into the lane? And I think we need to continue to see more of that because what I think from watching the game against Fox, he's about four for his last 40 from three. And that that's not an exaggeration. That's literally, that's, that's pretty much what he's at. So I think at this point, we just kind of need to see him adapt. I You don't need to see him completely stop shooting threes because then you get to kind of where Slater was on Wednesday where Marquette wasn't even guarding him around mm-hmm. the three-point line. Um, but, you know, y- you need the main focal point for him to be, can he get under the basket? Can he grab offensive rebounds? Can he be there for putbacks? You know, can he use that shot faking and, and get into the lane and find a way to get fouled? And if Jermaine is able to continue to kind of use that aggression and, you know, find a way to be around the basket more. I I think that will help this Villanova team more than anything. Yeah. He's got to at least be a threat from three because you're right. Slater is no longer even a threat and that makes it even harder for him to get going offensively because he hasn't been going offensively. (laughs) Yeah. And then the second point is that I think a Jermaine Samuels shot fake is the most predictable thing in college basketball. Certainly is. And teams continue to fall for it. So I don't know why. I don't know how that is not the one game plan when playing against Villanova, but somehow he's still able to use it to his advantage. And I hope people appreciate it because you would think at some point it goes away, but maybe not. I don't I don't know. I don't understand it. It's inexplicable to me. Yeah, it really is. You know that teams have to know that he's going to bump fake and it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. They still bite on him and let him get into the lane. It's honestly shocking, but hey. Yeah. It's just, I'm, I'm curious to see how his games go along with Collins and Justin's because it was nice to see Colin and Jermaine both step up and have a really high shooting performance. And I hope the team doesn't get into a rut where Jermaine scores 18 only because Colin and Justin can't make anything from deep. You know where mm-hmm. I'm going there? Like, I hope they can just continue this balance We've talked about balance all season long, allowing them to become a team that can play in the paint along with shoot threes. And that's where you see percentages go up in both categories. I hope that they just continue to give him the ball. And then that opens up more shots for the pure shooters like Gillespie and more. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. 
I didn't have much else from Georgetown. Did you? No, I didn't either. I know we wanted to keep it, keep it slow on that. So just talk yeah. about defense kind of in the first half offense, turning it on and, and just to spotlight how good Gillespie really has been uh, and, and take a look and give Jermaine his props when he deserves it, which I certainly did. So I think we had yeah. all, the, all the key stuff. The Ken Palm numbers are slowly but surely dropping in the defensive category. So I think they could use a good week to try and, and bring that up because it's dropped all the way to 18 down to 18. Yeah. Listen, they're yeah. still at seventh overall, um, yep. which is, you know, not the worst place in the world to be in, uh, in Ken Palm, but yes, we have seen a, a slight dip in the, in those analytical numbers. Yeah. And DePaul is certainly a place where they can get better because as we saw at, earlier this month, Villanova only lost 79, 64 at home at the Finn. But DePaul, I, I don't know if you have any positivity around DePaul, Pat. Have they just completely deflated your bubble about them from the beginning of the season because they're one in seven in Big East play? I am sad um, would be the, the way to, to sum it up for DePaul. I am sad, period. I am sad, period. Um, I, I do love that they beat Seton Hall in just that wacky, basically three-hour college basketball game mm-hmm. um, from a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, they, they've lost a lot of momentum here in, in trying to figure figure things out under Stubblefield. I mean, lately, especially, uh, JFL's been dealing with, I believe, some ankle injuries, um, which has kind of kept him out of games, which is obviously a little bit important for how this DePaul team plays. Uh, I will say they gave Xavier a run for their money just a week ago. David Jones had a fantastic game, uh, and then DePaul wasn't able to close it out, and Xavier found a way to get a one-point win. So it, I still don't look at DePaul as just a complete, over, you know, completely overlook them because there is some talent there, um, but you know, they, they have not been able to get it done. And in many fashions, they've lost very badly so far in the big East. Yeah. It's actually interesting to me that we're getting DePaul now because Alan talked so much about focus. I actually do think this is an incredibly important game because it proves how hot Villanova is going to come out. They're going to prove how much they want this game to get back on track, even though they only went one in one last week, that is surely not the potential that the guys want to show. And they can come out against potentially. Do we know if JFL is going to play? No, he's he's so he's. I believe he's missed their last two games, and he's probably listed day to day for this one. Yeah. So I mean, regardless, they should be able to go out and beat this team from tip, and I think they need that because you're right. This team lives and dies by Freeman Liberty, but Terry also has the potential to go out and drop almost 30 like he did mm-hmm. in that Seton Hall win and then Jones the next night like you said drops almost 30 so they have guys they can let this game be- become close and I think all of their games have been relatively close they just don't have any steam by the second half and that was what happened in the first match against Villanova so I think it comes at a really critical time for Villanova because this is the show me game show me that this team can be ranked within the top 10 and we can get back to that six game winning streak stretch where they're really clicking on all cylinders. This is big too, because it starts, you know, basically a little two game home home stand they have mm. here, uh, both at the pavilion, by the way, uh, this week against DePaul and St. John's trying to get back on track and not lose back to back games at the pavilion. If you don't see Freeman Liberty in this game, I think you are going to see Villanova, especially the guards really attack the paint to drop try and draw those DePaul guards in there. I mean, we kind of saw in game one, they don't have the size to be able to, to deal with a, a Gillespie or more and their abilities down in the post. 
So I think you could certainly look there for ways that Villanova is going to try and exploit things. I, as I said, David Jones, is a good player, you know, he, he can hurt you, but if they're missing Freeman Liberty, not just the score that we know that he is, because of course he's one of the best scorers in the league, but he truly is a solid defender as well. Yeah. You know, he's so integral to everything DePaul does. Uh, if he's out or if he's compromised, like we have the the compromised version of Brandon Slater out there right now, uh, I think Villanova is going to listen. The game plan lately has been to get in the paint. So I would expect to see more of that on Tuesday. Yes, I definitely want to circle back to Slater, but really quick first, this was the foul game, right? Yes. This is when they had like, like 50 something. Yeah, yeah. 47 free throw attempts. So you could see them going back to that. Definitely. Just to follow up this point, maybe put a bow on the conversation. We did not see Slater sit against Georgetown. He did play a seriously reduced amount of minutes, and Caleb Daniels played 30. But we didn't see Slater sit, and we didn't see him get that rest that he might need even more apparently than we ever had before. Do you have any thoughts? I it's It's hard to watch Slater out there understanding the injury that he's going through. Um, and listen, I'm sure if he's out there, that means he's he says he's good enough to play. I, I totally get that. Is not questioning a safety thing by any means. It's just seeing the Brandon Slater we had earlier in the season when he was healthy to the Slater that's now out there. That is certainly as you know the word I've used compromised out there. I would really love to just see him get a little bit of rest and just sit him um, to to try and allow him to heal and get back to it because an explosive Brandon Slater is one of the most just getting past the importance. Yes. Of the team, one of the most fun players to watch out there. Mm. And uh, it, it's, you know, it's really uh, disheartening to see him kind of struggling uh, the way he is right now. Yeah. I feel the same way. Well said. Yeah. You, you would hope that something might change so that he can just get back to that version, get back to a healthy version and maybe his game opens up. Yeah. hundred percent. All right, sweet. Let's switch. Let's switch to a uh, big East in general and wrap things up here. Absolutely. So if we look at it, I know a game you wanted to touch on first from over the weekend. I mean, those Marquette golden Eagles just won't stop right now. They won't stop. I, I want to hear what you say about Marquette because you said something that made my jaw drop about Justin Lewis. Yeah. They, they will not stop right now. Coming away with a 75 to 64 win over Xavier on Sunday, Justin Lewis poured in 20 points and 13 rebounds and people, I mean, if, if you didn't see it on Wednesday night for what Justin Lewis did to Villanova, Justin Lewis is going to be a first-round pick. I, I feel it. it. He is that talented. I am that impressed with what I've seen from Justin Lewis. He's still young enough that he really falls into that you know, NBA talent evaluator bubble, which is wrong, by the way. It doesn't matter if a player is a senior. I will not be fed that. I can use many adjectives there and I won't, <laughs> or many words there and I won't. Um, but I'm so impressed with Justin Lewis. He continues to do it. And Marquette continues to win a six-game Big East winning streak now. That's huge. I give all of this credit to Marquette, but I do think Xavier's starting to have some problems because this was an offense that was averaging – 70 a lot of points points yeah, a lot yeah. Of and points. now they're putting up 68 against DePaul and 64 against Marquette and maybe that's the havoc defense but only 80 against Creighton and only 60 against Villanova so I think there are some holes in that game and I didn't expect to see that so early from Xavier no, that's that's definitely fair. We, we look at then Monday night, St. John's takes on Seton Hall. You guys will know what happens in that game by the time you listen to this. Uh, but rematch because they only played over the weekends. Uh, so that, that'll be fun to uh, to see if the Johnnies can, can steal one after dropping to the Pirates. 
they need something. Yeah, <laughs> they, they do. need something because their season's I'm, on life support right now. I was just going to say, I keep waiting for it to change. And then I look at my watch and it's the end of January and they are not a tournament team. Right It'll now. change next Saturday at the Finn when <laughs> Champagne drops 30. <laughs> right? That's all it takes. Just a little Villanova game, then we're, they're fine. That'll that'll kick him into gear. But no, you're right. Listen, the, I'm very disappointed in St. John's. I think there's too much talent on this team for them to right. be struggling the way they are. Right. But uh, it's getting late early. It, it is for them that they, they got to kick things into gear. Yeah. And then you and I talked about it before we hit record. Wednesday is the night of Wednesday, all yeah, Wednesday nights. Providence Xavier, 6.30, Creighton Butler, 6.30, Marquette Seton Hall, 8.30. This is, I said it about Villanova, this is the show me night. This is where Mm -hmm. we see if Providence is fully recovered from their COVID issues and if they can go up against a top 25 opponent in Xavier and play well, because the last time they did play a top 25 opponent, I believe was Marquette when they got blown out of the water. And then Marquette Seton Hall, what version of Seton Hall are we going to see? Is it going to be this inconsistent version that we talked about with Allen? Is it going to be the beginning season version? Can Marquette continue this streak? Can they bottle it and take it into the tournament? Whole lot of questions. I think I was going to say, I think you asked all the questions there. So you made my job very, <laughs> very, no, you made my job very easily. Listen, to, to put it very simply for Seton Hall Marquette, it's the Seton Hall revenge game. The, yeah. It's very That's fresh. That's a foul the, game, right? Exactly. It yeah. is very fresh in their minds losing that game with the foul being called on only it was January 15th. And here they are with that rematch. It's, you know, it's at Seton Hall. It is going to be, I'm sure the crowd's going to be going crazy with that very fresh in their minds. Uh, I am pumped to watch that game on Wednesday night. It's got to be a good one. And luckily for everyone, it's not on CBS Sports Network. So we'll be able to enjoy it on FS1. Thank goodness. (laughs) Thank goodness is right. No, that was fun. I mean, I mean, once again, thank you to Alan Ray. So cool to have him on, to be able to talk to him. He's on Twitter. Follow him. Keep up with what he's saying all year long. And thank you for listening to us and make sure you get those reviews in so we can read them off on Thursday. And we appreciate all the support. Yeah, definitely give Alan a follow at a Ray for three. Um, and it was, as I said, just so great to be able to, uh, to talk with him, but all right, that will do it for us here on the state of the Nova nation presented by view hoops. Be sure to check out view hoops for some content about the Georgetown game. Emma referenced Brendan Riley's article on Villanova closing. You're definitely going to want to read that one. And of course we'll get you ready for DePaul as well. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the show, leave a rating and follow us on Twitter at S O N N pod. We will be back at it on Thursday and Nova nation. That's a wrap.